Just as Christ is the head of his church and all believers who are in Christ are members of his body, even so the very first person created, he is the head of the human race and then Adam is the whole human race. And so through Adam, sin enters into the world. Hello and welcome to Search the Scriptures, a daily walk through the Bible with Dr. Carl Brogy. Dr. Brogy is senior pastor at Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. In our study of the Book of Romans, we spent last week in the first half of chapter 5. Our passage this week in verses 12 to 14 is a difficult one for many to accept. It, in effect, introduces the concept of original sin which declares we're all born sinners and that apart from a Redeemer, we remain in that state throughout our lives. Let's join Pastor Brogy as he further explains this. In 1 Timothy 2, Paul will say it was Adam who was first created. And so the historicity of Adam is absolutely essential to believing and embracing and applying the latter half of Romans 5. Now again, look in verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world. Paul tells us how evil invades the human race. Sin has not always been on the earth. Adam was created in a way to enjoy perfect fellowship with God. There is some graffiti that was written on a wall there in New York City that became very famous, and it's a picture of Humpty Dumpty falling off the wall, and underneath were the words, he was pushed. Well, the Bible doesn't teach he was pushed. It teaches he jumped. Now, did you notice here in this verse that Paul did not write sin came into existence through Adam because the first sinner in the Bible was Satan. Satan had already rebelled before the creation of Adam and Eve. However, it's Adam who's responsible for bringing sin into the human race that's going to cause all of humanity to fall. And as Genesis 3 and as Romans 8 will teach us, all of the creation to fall. As magnificent as our planet is, it's not nearly as beautiful as the way God originally created it. Now maybe you're thinking, wait a minute, Pastor. How is it that an Adam will die? Adam wasn't the first to commit an act of sin. Eve was the first to eat. Well, that's true, but understand the responsibility goes to Adam because Adam was given the command. Remember in Genesis 2, the Lord commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat from it you shall surely die. Then we read in verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make, a, make him a helper suitable for him. So clearly, God gave the responsibility to obey, to subjugate the earth, and not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to, to Adam. Eve was not yet created. Now certainly, as her head, as she's described in the New Testament, she would have understood that that applied to her as well. But again here in verse 18, God says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable. This is the strongest adversative in the Hebrew language. Low toe, under no circumstances 
Is it good for a man to be alone? God said throughout the creation, it is good, it is good, is it is good, is it good? And then finally he says, it is not good. So he makes what the Bible calls here an apser connecto, a helper suitable or a helper corresponding to him, one who exactly corresponded to Adam. And so it's the initial statement in Holy Scripture of the equality between a man and a woman. Long before the people of this earth ever came to the conclusion that men and women were equal, the Hebrew people read of it for centuries. Moses lives 405 years before Christ, and he affirms the full equality between a man and a woman. But understand, while God makes a helper corresponding to him, God is very clear that while they are equal, they do not have the same roles. And by the way, let me just say too that if you remember, it was Eve who's created out of Adam's side. Adam's created out of the dust of the earth. Eve is created from his side. And when Paul comes into 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he gives the balancing truth that if a woman was made out of a man, now a man has to come through or out of a woman. And so they cannot be independent of each other. And so in God's eyes, men and women are equal, but while they are equal, they have different roles and responsibilities. And in God's economy of things, Adam, because as we'll see in a moment, is the head, he is more responsible, and so the world dies in Adam. Uh, Hold your finger here, would you, and go to 1 Timothy. If you're in Romans, it's to the right of where you are. All the books in the Bible that begin with the letter T are found in the New Testament, and they go from long to short. Thessalonians, that word is longer than the word Timothy, which is longer than the word Titus. So you have 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, and then Titus, and they come right after those five short books, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all right? Go everywhere preaching Christ. Gary eats popcorn. However you can remember that. Uh, Gary eats popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and then you have all the T books in the Bible from long to short. I just gave you nine books. If you don't know where they are, now you know where they are, okay? All you have to do is find one. Now, 1 Timothy 2, he's speaking about the local church, the local assembly. And he's talking about how leadership should unfold. And he first speaks about the distinction between men and women. Then when you jump into chapter 3, remember the verse and chapter divisions are artificial. They're not in the original. They're added almost a millennium after the Bible's completed. He talks about who can serve as a pastor in the church. He gives some rationale in chapter 2. Then he gives some qualifications in chapter 3. Qualifications that can't fit a woman. If you can tell me how a woman can be the husband of, of one man, I'll tell you how she can be a pastor. Now look, if you will, at verse 12. He said, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. He's talking about when the church is gathered, when there's preaching that's being done, he says a woman is not to teach or exercise authority over a man. Why? For Here's a little, here's the cause, here's the reason why, for it was Adam who was first created and then Eve. So a woman is not to exercise authority, she's not to be a pastorette, and I know that doesn't sound good to a lot of people in our day, but that's okay, I'm just telling you what God says. 
The reason number one is because it was Adam who was first created and then Eve. Now, let me just say here parenthetically, any church that ignores this, any church that begins to let women take the roles that men should play. And by the way, there are some things, as Titus 2 indicates, that only women can do in the church. Only men can be pastors. But any church that allows a woman to take the role of a man, I can show you a church where little boys are being feminized. I can show you a church where little boys are being made into wimps. And why do you suppose that in so many of these liberal denominations, so many, liberal bo- so many little boys are becoming effeminate, they don't know how to deal with maleness, and they become a target for homosexuality? And why do you suppose it's in all these liberal denominations that they now conclude, well, that's just the way God made a little boy, or for that matter, a woman? So we can break God's laws, but if we break God's laws, we'll be broken by them. And so God gives some distinct roles to men and to women. So reason number one, women are not to teach or exercise authority over a man because of God's design as seen in the creation. Now don't forget that we have just documented from Genesis that priority does not mean superiority. Priority simply refers to God's order, to God's roles for men and women. It's not an issue of equality. I've had more than one person, whenever I speak in this subject, say to me, Pastor, what you're saying is so divisive. Pastor, you're bringing us back 50 years. You're bringing women back 50 years when you're telling them that they can't be pastors of a local church. Pastor, that will only create division. Pastor, how will we ever get together with you teaching things like that? Listen, we don't need to get together on some things. I don't need to be liked by people. I don't need to be the pastor of this church. But I need to obey God and not compromise His Word. And so reason number one is the design from the creation. But then he gives a second reason. And the reason I came to 1 Timothy 2 is the second reason is going to help us letting Scripture interpret Scripture to understand Romans 5. Look at verse 14 now of 1 Timothy 2. And it was not Adam who was deceived... But the woman, being quite deceived, fell into transgression. So the second argument has to do with Eve's fall. Now, it sounds like a put-down, but it's not. Please understand, nowhere does the Bible teach or say or argue that a woman is mentally, morally, or spiritually inferior to a man. They are not. He's not saying, oh, look what Eve did. Shame, 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 shame. He's not saying that. He's teaching that it was Eve who was deceived as Adam was not. When Eve stepped out of the will of God, when she stepped out of the role that God had called her to play, she opened herself up to deception. And by the way, you could take that principle and apply to anyone today. When you step out of the known will of God, then you become a target for the enemy. You open yourself up to deception. 
But beyond the Genesis account in this verse, the deception is spelled out in other places like 2 Corinthians 11.3. Let me read 2 Corinthians 11.3. He writes, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray by the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. She believed what the serpent said. He came along and said, God didn't really mean that you would die if you ate that fruit. In fact, he was just keeping something from you. God knows that if you eat from the tree, you'll become wise. You'll become your own little God. That you'll know good and evil. I mean, look at it, Eve. It's so beautiful. It looks so pleasant. It's like all the other trees in the garden. Eve, it's okay to eat. Oh, forget what Adam's telling you. It's okay, Eve. You can eat. You won't die. And so she was deceived. She thought she was actually doing a good thing. And that's what the nature of deception is. People who are deceived don't know that they are deceived. But when Satan deals with Adam, he doesn't have to deceive Adam. The text says she gave also to her husband, and he ate. There's no crafty insight from Satan here. Adam wasn't deceived. What Paul is hammering home in 1 Timothy 2.14 is he sinned with his eyes open. He knew exactly what he was doing. Now, understand the liberal argument, and it's now entered into the evangelical church, they come down in one of two ways. The hardcore liberal will say, well, what Paul is talking about in 1 Timothy 2 is true in that that's what Paul said, that a woman should not be a pastor. But Paul just had a problem with woman. He was a chauvinist, and he wrote error, and Paul was wrong. Now, people who don't believe in biblical infallibility, that's the conclusion they come to. What's happened in the evangelical church, and by the way, for 1950 years, for the most part, no one, none of the church fathers, none of the reformers, no one believed that the Bible said it was okay for a woman to be a pastor. And as a general rule, if it's new, it's not true. And so now people are saying, well, what Paul was talking about just applied to the church that Timothy pastored there in Ephesus. That this was a local church issue, but not a universal principle. This was just something that was culturally bound. No, Paul makes it crystal clear that this is not something that was culturally bound because he takes it all the way back to the beginning, number one, in the order of creation. It was not Eve who was made first, but Adam. And then number two, his argument is in the fall. It was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being quite deceived fell into transgression. Now go back to Romans 5. Here's the point I want you to see. Through Adam's sin, evil invades the whole human race. Sin has not always been upon the earth. Adam was created to enjoy perfect fellowship with the Lord. But through sin, evil invaded the human 
race. Through one man, sin entered into the world. Just as Christ is the head of his church and all believers who are in Christ are members of his body, even so the very first person created, he is the head of the human race and in Adam is the whole human race. And so through Adam, sin enters into the world. Adam was created, Eve came out of his side and the whole human race was everyone who would ever be born was in the person of Adam. Now again, back in Genesis, just listen. God said in Genesis 2, the Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat from it, you shall surely die. Now that was not God threatening man. That was God warning man. If I say to my grandchildren, don't go into this street, you could get hurt. I'm not threatening them. I'm warning them because I love them. Well, here's a beautiful garden. Adam has tremendous joy and fellowship and peace with God and absolutely everything that he needs. But God also created a tree that could potentially harm man. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, sometimes people will ask you, well, if God knew that man was going to sin, because God obviously knew that, because God knows everything, then why couldn't God just make a man in such a way that he wouldn't sin or couldn't sin? Have you ever been asked that? Of course you have. Some of you have asked it. Well, suppose one of my children, just say one of my children didn't love me. They all do, but suppose, say, Jameson didn't love me. And I wanted Jameson to love me, so I hypnotize him. By the way, I don't believe in hypnotism. Stop smoking. Don't write me the letters. It's an evil practice. But suppose I hypnotize Jameson. Jameson, love your daddy. Jameson, love your daddy. And I say, Jameson, do you love me? Yes, daddy, I love you. That wouldn't be love. To be real love, it has to be a choice. And so when God makes man, he makes him as a free moral agent. He gives him a free will. He makes him not only with the capacity for devotion, but he makes him with the capacity for depravity. And man without a choice would not be free at all. And so it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God very clearly warns, the day you eat from it, you'll die. Well, you know he ate. And yet Genesis 5 tells us he lived until the age of 930. Well, most of you know that when God speaks of death, he speaks of it in three realms. There is spiritual death, and he died that day instantly. All of a sudden, he's afraid of God. He's fearful of God. He's hiding from God. Now, for the first time, he begins to age physically, and people are born aging. Adam was created as a full adult without any aging in him. But now he began to age, and with every beat of his heart, there was a drumbeat towards the grave. And if the problem is not fixed before a man checks out physically, he experiences what the Bible calls the eternal death or the second death, forever separation from God. And so the Bible, as an expression of God's grace, says, so he drove the man out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim. The singular of cherubim is cherub. Now, in Hebrew, there's a singular, there's a dual for two, and then there's one for three or more. In Hebrew, this is a dual. He's speaking of two angels, two cherubs here called cherubim. 
and with them is a flaming sword of fire to guard them from the tree of life because God knew that had they in their fallen state eaten from the tree of life, they would become like the angels, unredeemable. And so God in His grace exited man from the garden and protected him from the tree of life. You say, what happened to the garden? I assume it was destroyed in the great flood. And so while there was the tree of life that had the power to keep man into paradise, there was also the tree of death that had the power to drive him out from paradise. So here's Adam. He shut up from the tree of life. Why? Why is he shut up? Because he chose to do things Satan's way instead of God's way. Satan's way is by experimentation. God's way is by revelation. Satan's way is, go ahead, try it. God knows the day you eat from it, you will know good and evil. But that was not God's plan. Did God want Adam and Eve to know good and evil? Yes, he did. But he didn't want them to know good and evil by experimentation. He wanted him to know good and evil by direct revelation. And of course, the same is true today. Many times today, we convince ourselves, well, we need to find out for ourselves. I've had Christians tell me why they watch dirty shows and dirty movies and go to dirty places because they have to be able to identify with the culture. You don't have to know and experience sin to be able to relate to a pagan. God wants us to know by his revelation. God knows in the day you eat from it, he said, that when you eat from it, you will know good and evil. And so Satan always appeals to us for evil by experience. And experience is the worst teacher. People say, oh, experience is the best teacher. Not always. Many times it's the worst teacher. And I have often seen that people who are the deepest into sin know the least about it. They are blinded by its consequences. They cannot see its evil, rotten effect. Okay, that's God's death sentence. I better stop there. There's the entrance of death into the world. Secondly, there's the spread of death through the world. The spread of death through the world. Keep following. Here in Romans 5, verse 12, sin entered into the world in death through sin. Now, the Greek words used in verse 12 are rather chilling. There's a couple of words that just jump off the page. And one is the one that is translated entered. Um, he's describing sin and death entering into the world. And it's a very picturesque word. It, it was used in the first century of someone opening a door to let someone in. And so we might paraphrase this, Adam opened the door. He opened the door to the house where all humanity lived, and he invited sin in, and then he held the door open a little bit longer, and death came in right after it. Now again, some people will say, well, I wasn't in the garden. Why do I get blamed for his sin? Well, Paul's going to tighten the noose around your neck, so listen. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world, and death through sin. So death spread to all men. Why? Because all sinned. Please understand, he's not saying eventually everyone sins and they're going to die. No, this is a verb tense in the Greek New Testament that refers to a past event that created a present state. He is saying that in the past, everyone sinned. 
all sinned. Now, people explain this in different way. And, and by the way, before we're done here, those who say, well, I can't embrace that, then you're not going to be able to embrace what he says in the second half of the chapter. That just as through Adam, in his one act, I mean, what's your explanation for death? God gives an explanation by revelation. Sin brought death. That's why people die. Well, equally, he's going to argue that through the one act of Christ, he provided a way of escape from death. So if you can't embrace one, you cannot embrace the other. And that's why I said if Adam's not a real person, then Jesus' work is not real. And if you can't embrace it through Adam's sin, the whole world fell, you won't be able to embrace what he says in the second half. Our family many years ago was vacationing in Tennessee, and my kids loved to play in the falls, and so in the rapids. And so we were down there in the rapids, and and Jeremy got a cup, and he was drinking the water. And I, he'd seen this episode with us of Barney Fife out in the nature and you know camping, and he said, "Dad, it's this water is so good, nothing like good fresh, crisp mountain water." I said, "Oh, you're right, son." Later that day. Uh, I was running up the mountain through a trail, and about 600 yards up from where they were playing in the rapids, there in that river were all these oily paint cans and some 55-gallon drum with something oozing out of it. It looked absolutely nasty. You see, everyone downstream of that trash pile was affected, and all of us are downstream from Adam. People say, it's just not fair. How can I be incriminated with Adam's sin? Well, listen, if you don't fully understand what I'm going to say this morning, don't resent it too bad because forget Adam's sin. You're a sinner too, right? Shake your head and say amen. I'm a, I'm a sinner. But if you can't follow the argument, just look at your own life. But God's going to give you a reason. He's going to help you to understand. Look again. Through one man, sin entered into the world, and death through sin. So death spread to all men because all sinned. Now, there's some technical explanations that have been raised in the history of the church. St. Augustine took what was called the uh, federal view, that in Adam, or excuse me, the seminal view. The seminal view said that the whole human race was in Adam, seminally in his loins, and therefore, when Adam sinned, all sinned. Uh, during the time of the Reformation, most believed that. A few held to a new view that was called the federal view. That not the whole human race was in Adam, but Adam was our representative. And so we basically did what Adam would do. And we voted with Adam to go ahead and sin. Uh, in the history of the church, most folks have not taken one to the other. They've taken kind of a, a both-and kind of approach. And I think that's probably what's in view. But let me just say that when Adam sinned, the whole human race was in him, and he did act as our federal representative. And I know that concept of solidarity in the Western mind is difficult to embrace. But when I've preached in other parts of the world, they have no problem with it. If you go to Asia or Africa or China or the Middle East and places like that, they understand this concept of solidarity. And even if you don't understand it, it's revealed in Scripture and we need to submit to it. God wanted Adam and Eve, and He wants us to know right and wrong, not by engaging in wrong behavior, but in looking to God for direction and for His revelation through Scripture and through the Holy Spirit. 
We are looking at the curse of sin that has been passed down through the ages in our study of the book of Romans. If you'd like to hear today's message again or would care to have a copy for your library, use the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets or visit our website at searchthescriptures.org. You can also order a CD or DVD by calling 877-787-7478 and requesting program ROM24 entitled God's Death Sentence. Tomorrow, Pastor Carl's wife Audrey is in this time slot with her program for women, Mothering from the Heart. And when we return Monday, we'll conclude our look at God's Death Sentence. Join us then as we search the Scriptures.